Please be seated and welcome to Faith Covenant Church this morning. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. A special welcome. If you are visiting with us this morning, we are glad you're here. We thank you for giving us your time this morning. And we know you had a lot of other choices of how you could spend that time in other churches that you could attend. And so we're grateful that you've come to spend this time with us to worship God this morning. We'd encourage you, don't rush off too quickly after the service is over. We'd love to meet you, find out a little bit more about who you are. And if you like coffee, uh, we have a free gift for you. You can find one of our hosts with uh, host land or you can head over to Mission Mochas, and we'd love to give you uh, two free espresso drinks uh, as our thank you for coming out and uh, visiting with us this morning. We are in our series called Bless, and as the season changes and the sunshine continues to threaten to to come out and peek through, I don't know if you're like me, but you've been outside more with your neighbors, and we're beginning to mow our lawns, waiting for the rain to stop so we can go out and mow it really quickly. Tammy, my wife, made a comment this last week that she thought was interesting. In our neighborhood, the houses are built such that... Each house shares a, a front lawn. So we have these little postage stamp lawns, and there's no you know, barrier between our neighbor's lawn and our lawn. Uh, and so there's these tiny little lawns, and, and when people go out and mow, they kind of look where the property line is, and they kind of mow up you know, down the middle. And so you'll have one person who had a chance to get out and mow, and that's nice and cut, and the, the neighbor's lawn, which is really the same lawn, is not cut. So it just looks kind of odd. And Tammy said, you know, you would think that neighbors would be able to get together and maybe just take turns. And when you mow, just mow the whole lawn, and the next week the neighbor can mow the whole lawn. Right? I mean, that would be really simple. But there's three challenges to that I'd like to suggest this morning. First of all, it would require that neighbors actually talk to each other. And if truth be told, in this day and age, more and more we're finding that neighbors don't really connect. They don't talk. They don't sometimes even know who each other is, are, was. I don't know what the right verb is there. (laughs) Adverb, prologue, I don't know. Second... It would require that people are willing to take the extra time to actually coordinate their schedules and to work together. And we see more and more in our culture this increasing isolation and this separateness that prevents us from being working together in community in that way. And third, and this perhaps is the most important one, it would mean that I'd be the one who would have to mow my neighbor's yard, <laughs> right? This is a week four in our Blessed series where we're talking about taking the time to explore five missional practices that each one of us can be actively engaged in each day to be part of the mission of blessing the world through the love of Jesus Christ in the same way that we have been blessed. What we discover on our mission is that when we understand and engage in God's mission, we actually experience our mission that God has created and gifted and blessed us to fulfill in him. Because we understand, as we've gone through this series, that our God is a missional God. From the very beginning, he had a strategy and a plan to bless the world through people, and that through God's people, all of the world would be blessed. And we know that the ultimate culmination of that blessing was the gift of his own son, Jesus Christ, that came to be the ultimate gift of grace and mercy and forgiveness and healing to the people of the world. God has always been on this mission from the very beginning. His mission is to help people find their way back to him. That's why the Father sent the Son, and that's why the Son sent the Spirit, and that's why we too, as followers of Jesus, are sent by the Spirit into the world to be a blessing, to be 
Jesus' witnesses, to be evangelists, if we can dare to use that term, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with all those that God would call us to serve. That's Jesus' mission. And as Christ followers, what we are committing to is recognizing that that's our mission as well. And what we discover is that God had a particular strategy to accomplish this mission, and we've been calling it the blessing strategy, going back to the calling of Abraham, that God called his people, and he said, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing, and all the peoples of the world will be blessed through you. And what we've done with the series is we're taking this blessing strategy and turning it into the acronym BLESS, five letters, B-L-E-S-S, and we've been working through those, asking each other, how can we begin to put these simple missional practices into action in our own lives so that we can become a part of this mission to the world in some very practical and doable ways? Each letter stands for one of these five core missional practices, and we've been asking everyone to do one of these each day or each week and simply asking ourselves the question each morning when we get up, God, who do you want me to bless today? God, who do you want me to bless today? Asking the Holy Spirit to begin to open our eyes and to raise our awareness to the people around us, people who don't know Jesus, people who don't go to church, but they're at our workplaces, they're, they're in our classes at school, they're next to us in the line at the grocery store, and allowing the Spirit to be the one who leads us to be able to engage with the people that he would call us to serve, and to be a blessing to. Let's quickly review what each letter stands for. B, the first letter is begin with prayer. L is listen with care. E, which was last week, which is a fun one, right, is eat together. I mean, missional eating, how can you go wrong with that? And today's letter is S, the first S, and it stands for serve in love. Serve in love. The big idea for today is that in order for us to bless others as people on mission with Jesus, we will serve individuals and communities at their point of need as we identify those places of longing and need as we engage with them and as we listen to them and as we eat with them. See, the the whole point of praying for and listening to people and engaging people around the table is to find out what is the, the reality of their life? Where are the broken places, the hurting? places? What are the places that they need Jesus the most? And how can we then take a simple step to help serve them as a sign and a symbol of God's presence and his grace for them in their lives? Now, when we start talking about serving in love, we we really need to start by recognizing that Jesus is our primary example, right? Uh, We heard it read from the platform today. We have it for you on the screen. Mark 10, 45, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life As a ransom for many. This is Jesus talking about his own sense of mission. The Son of Man did not come to serve, but to be served. No, be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, in Jesus, blessing and serving go hand in hand. You, you, you really can't separate the two in an understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower and to live the Christian life. Serving and blessing go hand in hand. If you were here with us in week two, we talked about the gift of listening. We talked about how, in many ways, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you 
care, right? And, and the, the gift of listening is a way of signaling to people that we genuinely want to, to care about who they are and where they are and what they're going through and what their experience of life has been. And that carries forward to today when we talk about serving people. The act of serving someone indicates that we care enough to recognize they have a need and that we're willing to do something about meeting the, a need that they have in their lives. The best way to understand serving is to see how Jesus did it. And today we're just going to take a look at one of the many examples that we could look at. And we're going to be, again, in the Gospel of Mark, looking at chapter 7, verses 31 to 36. You know what? I forgot my glasses, so I'm going to join you and read it on the screen, all right? Uh, Chapter 7, verses 31 to 36. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went down through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There were some people who brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, kind of like a a, a spiritual wet willy, I guess, right? (laughs) Then he spit, see, there you go, and, and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. And this man, at this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. You see, when, when the power of God shows up in someone's life, transforms their experience, and begins to transform their heart, they can't stop talking about it. They become an immediate evangelist. They got to tell people that God has done something amazing in their lives. And and, and when we step out to serve like Jesus and and we become a blessing, not because of our own strength or our own wisdom, but because the Spirit of God shows up and does something in somebody's life, they can't stop talking about it. They become evangelists and and they might not even know Jesus yet. They might not even have accepted him as Lord, but they're going to start talking about, could this be the Messiah? Remember the woman at the well? who ran to tell all of her people, could this guy be the Messiah? Because he he told me everything that I've ever done. As we unpack this story, I want to suggest that we can discover three key words to help us see the method that Jesus uses to serve other people. Three key words. The first one is proximity. Jesus served in proximity to people. Notice how in the the scripture in verse 32 it says, Some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on them. He's in this crowd of people, right? But but these people who knew Jesus was there bring their friend, this deaf man, to get to Jesus because they need to get him in proximity to where Jesus is. The people that Jesus served were always people who were right there in front of him. He saw them, he felt their need, and he reached out and he blessed them through the power of God in his life. Jesus served in close proximity. As some people search for their sense of calling and mission as Christians, what is God calling me to do? Where is God calling me to serve? Many of us might be tempted to think that it's got to be some big grand mission. We've got to you know, go as a missionary to Africa, or we have to be able to write a book about it, or, 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 or somehow you know, nobody really ever wins a Nobel Prize by serving their neighbor, right? And yet that's right where we got to start. As we look at how Jesus practiced his mission, you start with the people who are near to you. You start with the people that are right around you. You look for those who are in close proximity, and you ask God, God, who do you want me to bless today? 
could be where you work. It could be where you play. It could be where you recreate. It could be where you hang out. It might be in your class at school. It might be right in your neighborhood with your neighbor who needs you to maybe mow their lawn. See, these are the people that God has called us to serve in love. Jesus said we should love our neighbor as ourself. You see, when we're looking for our mission and we're looking for a place to serve, we don't have to look any farther than our next door neighbor or the person sitting next to us on the bus or the people standing in line with us at the grocery store. Now, there are some exceptions that I think we should also mention and talk about. Uh, if you go back to the beginning of this story, it says that Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went down through Sidon and down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. So Jesus left his hometown, right, and he, he began to go on mission and move to other towns. Why would Jesus go on mission? Why would Jesus leave one place and go to another? Well, because our missional God sent his son to not just reach one town or village, but to go throughout the countryside, reaching all those that God would call him to bless and to serve. So, so God does sometimes call us to, to pull up stakes and to, to move out and go to a different location in order to fulfill the mission that God has given us. In the same way, some of you might not be in the place that God means for you to be right now. Have, have you ever thought about that? Are, are you at the place where God wants you to be? I mean, the only reason where you might be where you're at is because the, the company you work for sent you here. Uh, it wasn't necessarily God's choosing, but it was, a, it was a promotion. It was a great opportunity, so you took it. Uh, you, you might only live in the neighborhood you live in right now because it was a better house or an apartment than the last one you lived in, but it wasn't really necessarily God leading you to move there. Right? Or you are where you are because of real estate values or school systems or you got that good promotion. And these are all good things and they're valid reasons to make decisions in our lives. But, but in the context of today's message and the blessing series, are we willing to ask God in those kind of key life decisions, God, who do you want me to be a blessing to? And is there a particular people or a location that might create that proximity of the people that God is calling you to serve? For some of you, in order to discover your mission that God has for you is going to mean that he wants you to relocate your life in some way. Maybe he wants you to choose to move to another city. Maybe it's that big. Maybe it's as simple as changing your career path because the career you're on has been about you know, earning an income and, and making a living, but it's never been about God's call on your life and pursuing the mission that he has for you through the gifts and the skills and the talents and the passions that he's given you. To some, it might be to move to another neighborhood in the same town because there's a particular group of people that God is calling you to be a part of in community that he wants you to serve and be a blessing to. And to some of us, it might be to actually pull up stakes and go to be a missionary in Africa or Haiti in the Philippines. That's how people get those calls, right? They say, God, send me, and God says, okay, it's around the globe. See, the, the, the point is that there are times when God, through his spirit, We'll put a burr under our saddle and say, you're not in the place where I need you to be and I want you to be, and I want you to be willing to go to the place that I will show you. It goes all the way back to the original call to Abram, right? Take up your family and go to the land that I will show you. There are real times when God gives us a supernatural transfer to move to specific people and places in order to be a blessing. I remember reading a story about Pastor Randy Frizee who told his story of how in his church in Texas, uh, there, 
uh, family actually got out of this uh, isolated rut in their neighborhood because they didn't really know their neighbors because uh, there was a lot of children playing in the street and they realized, you know, we need a stop sign at this intersection or somebody's going to get hurt. And that's what led them to begin to go and meet their neighbors and saying, hey, could we get together and talk to the city about putting a stop sign in? And, and he began to realize, wow, you know, we don't have any connection with our neighbors. And so they, they began doing block parties out on the street and barbecuing together. And then Randy and his wife began opening their home one evening a week where they could say, hey, you guys are busy and you're flying from work to event to event. We're just going to create a pot of soup and some bread and kind of open house. Whenever you want to come and eat, we're just going to serve you dinner. And they had people start to show up and come and take advantage of that service. And they began to do small group ministry in their home. And long story short, it's a great book. It's called Making Room for Life. And it's talking about how do we connect with our neighbors. What happened is their small group uh, that began to come from their church and not just their neighborhood decided God wanted them to all sell their houses, identify one local neighborhood where they were going to all buy houses within, you know, kind of a, a major city block of each other. And their mission was to bless that neighborhood. And so they did that, they moved there, and they would get up, and every evening at 5 o'clock, they'd go out and they'd walk, and they'd invite anybody to go on a walk with them. And they would just meet, amazing story. Can you imagine God calling your group to sell your homes and to move to a neighborhood and to be on mission with Jesus? That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? But wow, I mean, how big of a change of our normal way of thinking would that require? But you see, God's blessing strategy is to put the call on his people to allow the Spirit of God to direct us to whom we are to serve. God, who do you want me to serve today? Almost without exception, the people we are meant to serve will be in close proximity. Either God will move us to be in proximity to them, or he wants us to serve the people that we're in proximity to today. So the second thing that Jesus did when he served, not only did he serve in proximity, he served personally. He served in proximity and he served personally. You think about Jesus and this man, he realizes his malady and the potential for uh, the humiliating circumstances, right? If he can't really hear and he can't really talk, how embarrassing to be in this crowd of people and to try and interact with Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He takes him aside. He takes him away from the crowd. He says, I'm going to minister to you personally. I'm going to take you one-on-one, and I'm going to find out what is it that I can do to be a blessing to you. So he takes him aside from the crowd. He's serving this man in a way that shows he understands his deep pain and his difficult life circumstances, and he serves him directly in, in a very deeply personal way. You see, serving people personally means taking into account not just the content of their life stories, but the context of their life stories. Let me say that again. Serving people personally means not just taking into account the content of their life stories, their situation, their, 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 their actual uh, experience, but it, it's the context. What is the story surrounding it? What have they experienced? What are they going through? How is it impacting what the choices are that they're making? Some of you may have read the, the old bestseller by Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in there, he, says, he tells an amazing story uh, which is always convicting 
to me about how he's riding home on the subway one day and, and he's trying to get some reading done, right? He's trying to use his time wisely and be a good steward to get some reading done. And there's a man sitting there with two young boys and they're just going crazy on the train. I mean, they're running around, bouncing off the walls, out of control. I mean, completely disrespectful for all of the other passengers, right? So finally, Covey's had it. And he gets up and he walks over to the dad and he says, excuse me, but do you not have any concern for reining in your kids and having any control over them and the experience of the rest of the passengers? And the father looks up at him and he says, oh, I know, I know, you're right. I I need to do something, but to be honest with you, I I just don't know what to say to them right now because we're on our way home from the hospital where their mother just passed away. It breaks your heart, right? I mean, but you can put yourself in Covey's place. We get so frustrated and angry at the behavior and the experiences of people around us. And our first reaction is to want to wanna cut off or to correct or to, to manage our other people. But if we just take the time to find out what the context of their life experiences is, we may discover that there's so much more to their story. And there's so much place of need that we could enter into to serve them in a very powerful and a loving way. Covey used the story to remind us that we need to seek first to understand. That if we want to serve people personally, we have to understand that God has put us in close proximity with people who are living very broken and painful lives. And very often they, they are hiding the true deeper pain and need. And are we willing to, to allow ourselves to go deeper with people into the reality of what they're experiencing? Not assume that we know their story, but allow them to graciously enter into their pain. You know that feeling that you had at the end of the story, right? That groan. I mean, I heard of a few of you even express it. It's like, oh, that's exactly what Jesus is doing in this story with this deaf man. It says he looked up to heaven and he sighed. And the, the, the word sigh in that original language isn't like a sigh of frustration, like, oh, gotta heal another one, Right? No, Jesus looks up to heaven. It's like this, this deep groan. Oh, and he says, Ephatha, be opened. He wants this man's experience of life to, to be opened. He sees him trapped, not just because of his physical ailment, but probably because of the pain and the suffering and the shame that he's had to bear all of his life, living in a community where they assumed if you were physically ill, you were being punished by God. Right? He's reaching out with a deep compassion. He's experiencing the personal pain of this man and he's expressing it audibly as he reaches out to minister to this man. Jesus goes beyond just seeing the man's pain, he actually enters into it with compassion and, and, and he feels what this man feels. Jesus is feeling for this, what this guy's been through, and he's not just some serving machine that's cranking out acts of kindness each day, right? Well, I did my act of kindness. I paid for the Starbucks behind me and checked that one off the list. That's not what serving in love is really all about. He was deeply affected by the suffering of the people he served, and he courageously entered into the context of their life in order to be a blessing. Serving in love is going to get real personal real quickly. And we have to ask ourselves, are we really ready for the messiness of getting personal in our lives? Finally, the third word is Jesus served in proximity, Jesus served personally, and Jesus served powerfully. 
we see the power of God at work in Jesus' life as he reaches out to touch this man's life and to bring healing and wholeness through the spirit and power of God. We can't just run past the big event of the story, right? In verse 35, it says, at, the man's, at this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. And as a result, a whole bunch of people became evangelists that day. You see, in serving, Jesus used and accessed the power of God in his life, and we should too. We need to be connected to the Spirit of God and serving in the power of the Spirit because in our own strength and wisdom, we don't have the ability to transform people's lives and hearts. And we've said that over and over again. We don't convert convert people. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But we should never forget that in our serving, we have this same power that rose Jesus from the grave alive in us. And we sing that song, and I love it when we sing that because it's so true. And yet we go through so much of our time never accessing or taking advantage of that power. Now, you might be thinking, well, that was Jesus. You know, of course he did miracles. I'm not called to use the spirit and power of God in that way. Well, let me just remind you of what Jesus said in John 14, 12. I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And we know that because he goes to the Father, because he has to leave them, he says, then I can send you the advocate, I can send you the counselor, I can give you the Holy Spirit, so that the same power that was in me will be in you, and you can do the very same works that I have done. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so I am sending you. As we go to serve the people who are in proximity to us and we engage with them personally, we need to be willing to pray for the, those who are sick to be healed. We need to be able to pray for those who are in an addiction to, to, be over, to overcome their addiction. If, if we're meeting a, a couple whose relationship is in jeopardy, we need to pray for healing for their marriage. We need to pray for for children who are out of control, who who have no course in life to be able to find uh, comfort and community and a place of direction in their lives. You see, when serving people in love, we can't be afraid to ask God for the power that we've experienced to be at work in their lives as well. And we know from the Bible that Jesus' display of supernatural power most often, right? Jesus' displays of supernatural power most often were in contexts where people who were far from God or didn't know God began to be confirmed that God is real and that they could believe that God was with them. The author tells a story about a pastor who went over to work with a church in Stevengar, Norway, working at a state-run Lutheran Pentecostal church. This kind of uh, all in contradiction, right? State-run, Lutheran, Pentecost. Okay. Uh, but one of the things that this group began to do from the church, which, again, I have to be honest with you, this kind of ministry would make me personally as a pastor very uncomfortable. But what this church did is every weekend they would go out and set up a booth in the town square and put up a sign that said, Healing Prayer. And they would serve coffee and donuts, and they would just wait for people to come by. And if somebody was willing to have them pray for them, they would pray for them. And, and he said it wasn't, you know, weird stuff. It wasn't speaking in tongues prayer and things that might pe- make people uncomfortable. It was just, we're just going to pray for you. And what the pastor of that re- church reported is that when they prayed for healing with the people inside their church, they had about 10% positive results. When they prayed for people in the middle of the town square, he said it was nearly 80%. 
You see, the power of God is available for you and me. And healing in this life is, is a wonderful blessing and a benefit. But, but the statistics on death are, are, are pretty amazing, right? One out of one every person dies. So our healing, even on this side of heaven, while it's a great blessing, is never intended to be the answer for our spiritual condition. More often than not, the power of God at work in the world is to demonstrate to people who don't know Jesus, who are far from God, that this God of the Bible, this God of Jesus, this God of Faith Covenant Church is alive and well and has the power to make a difference in their lives and can transform their heart from the inside out as well. So much of the time, I think we don't see and recognize the power of God available to us as the church because we're not using it in the way that God intended us to use it, to be a blessing to those outside the church. I don't even know what to make of all of that for us. (laughs) I'm not prepared to go out and put a sign up in downtown Sumner and offer healing prayer, but maybe that could come out of this. I don't know. I think more importantly, we have to recognize that there is a power that God has, and he wants us to be able to use it in blessing the people who are outside of this church and who don't know God, serving the world around us. And if we're willing to take that first step, of asking God, who do you want me to to bless today? And being willing to serve them in some simple way, God can show up and use us in powerful ways that we might not expect. So Jesus served in proximity. Jesus served personally. And Jesus served powerfully. So a few questions for us in a challenge. Who are you in proximity to today? Who are you in proximity to in your life that God might want you to serve. And again, I don't mean the people in your family or in our church. These are people who don't go to church. These are people who don't know Jesus. These are people who are perhaps far from God. Who are you in proximity to that God might put on your heart that you could possibly serve today, this week, in the months ahead? When you think about those people, begin to ask How can we serve them personally? What is it? How do I begin to understand what the larger context of their story is? How do I begin to listen and maybe eat with them and find out where are some places of service that I could actually make a difference in their life? And then finally, ask God to do in that relationship what only he can do. Ask God to do in that relationship what only he can do. He doesn't expect us to do what we can't do, Right? He simply asks us to have faith to believe that he can do what only he can do if we put ourselves in the position to be able to be his representative, to be his evangelist, to be his person who can bring good news. So here's the challenge. With the very first P of proximity, you may have gotten a mental picture of who that person or those people are. You may know some people who are in close proximity to you in your life. It may be somebody who lives next to you in a house. It may be somebody who works next to you in a cubicle. It may be somebody who studies next to you in a classroom. But you have somebody in mind who God may have brought to mind that put on your heart that is in close proximity to you. Here's the challenge. Do one thing to serve that person this week. One thing to serve that person this week. It can be small. It might be mowing a little postage stamp lawn, right? It might be uh, buying a grocery card for that single mom that you know that struggles financially and, and doesn't have enough money to put food on the table. Uh, you know, it, it might be taking a friend out uh, to, to coffee and finding out, you know, where, where's your biggest point of struggle right now and how can I be a, a, a friend, a mentor, how can I walk with you through that? There's so many different ways that we can serve people in very simple and easy ways. In, in the challenge, though, is in the next six days, so it's not quite a week, right? Before next Sunday, 
do one thing to serve that person. Remember, we are the people that God has chosen to bless the world. We sang it in one of our songs today, right? We are the hope on earth because we are the place where God has chosen to bless us with the presence and the power of his spirit. And if we're not going to unleash that spirit and, and give other people access to God, we are limiting the very hope that God has given the world for coming back into relationship with God. As followers of Jesus, we're each called to be an evangelist, to be Christ's witnesses, to share this good news with those who don't yet know Jesus. And we're called to live out this call, called to live out this call by living out this strategy of God's blessing. That's why we have five simple steps that we can all participate in. We're called to live out this strategy of blessing so that we can share the good news of Jesus. Why? so that more and more people will come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, which is our mission that Jesus gave us from the beginning. So I hope that you're up to the challenge. One person, serve them one time this next week. And if you have any God stories that come out of this series, let us know because we love to hear about them and share the ways that God is blessing us and making us a blessing at Faith Covenant Church. Would you pray with me?